1: As I think many of you know by now, my husband of almost 50 years is a retired physician. He was so glad to be a doctor when I first met him. He was an eager, eager young resident. And what more noble profession could there be? In the end, he hated being a doctor. He came to hate it for all the same reasons. I think that so many doctors seem to end up hating being doctors. They go to medical school for the same reasons. My husband did because they're bright, they're idealistic, they they want to help and heal people. But the burden of being a pathologist, in his case, became overwhelming. A lot of it was what he ended up derisively calling picture matching, looking through a microscope at slides of tumor cells and having to decide whether they're cancerous or whether they're benign or Somewhere in the middle. And on his decision, his decision would depend whether some woman he would never know would lose her breast or some man would lose his ability to father a child or whether someone he didn't know was about to get news that meant death or meant life. It sounds easy, but it wasn't easy. And he would call me sometimes randomly during the day because he was in the middle of making that decision and he was finding it impossible to make that decision. But still, he had to make it. He retired in his fifties, his mid-fifties. That career almost broke him. On the other hand, I still love what I do, and I'm in my mid-seventies, and I can't, I can't retire. I, I love what I do. I advise the owners of family businesses on what they love to do, and I, I don't think I'll ever retire. My husband, and he didn't know what we would be talking about today. He told me only today that doctors have one of the highest rates of suicide. And guess what? Pathologists have the highest rate of suicide of all of them. Our guest today sent me his book. He tells me that apparently it isn't only patients who are in trouble, serious trouble now, but doctors and their caretakers are in trouble too. And I I have to say in particular, I understand what he means. Patient Lee, he calls himself. Lee Tomlinson is our guest today, and he has created what he calls the Compassion Heals Movement. It heals patients as well as doctors. There are apparently 20 million healthcare professionals who are in serious trouble today. patient, Patient Lee calls his movement the Compassion Heals Movement for a very big reason, because Compassion Heals... Those people, just like my husband, who are overwhelmed by by what they have to do. The burnout is overwhelming. And finally, finally, now there is someone who understands what people like my dear husband and ends up calling. He calls people like my husband, people who are able to heal themselves finally, just as much as they heal their patients. Welcome, Lee. I'm so glad you're with us. And I wish my husband had had you 20 years ago. It's great to have you with us today.
0: Well, it's an honor and a pleasure, uh, and uh, I'm heartbroken by your experience, and it's not among the highest suicide rates. Doctors have the highest suicide rate of any profession in America today, and if that doesn't give patients and everybody else outside of medicine a good feeling for how hard your job is, I don't know what can. Can you so, imagine it
1: was a coincidence? He told me that just this morning. Yep. He read it in the paper. He told me. He said, I, I, I can't tell you how heartbreaking it was. I would this young man I'm married to, he would call me in the middle of the morning. And the only reason was because he had in front of him a decision to make about somebody's life.
0: Yep. And and every day. And sometimes every day. Was- and sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, your best efforts, you're surrounded by uh, grief, sadness, loss, pain, uh, misery. Um, I mean, and you keep doing it day after day after day. I mean, health, not just doctors, but doctors, nurses, admitted, anybody in healthcare. the burnout rate pre-COVID was 60 plus percent. And okay. now it's even higher. So it's the, might be well be the hardest profession in the world where they don't shoot rockets and guns at you
1: oh at least boy. not
0: often. Yeah. So how do we fix it? <laughs> well, you know, there's there's a couple of things. Number one, um, if you look at the personalities of those uh, uh, men and women angels who get into healthcare, most if not can never say all, but the vast majority of them get into healthcare to help relieve and cure the pain of others. That's great. But there are also people who are so committed that they forget about themselves. And the lack of self-care, the lack of putting their needs first to maintain their health so they're able to be fully competent and compassionate, is a skill or desire that most healthcare professionals lack. So part of my message when I have the honor of speaking to them, and I've done that, what, a couple hundred times since my recovery, is you have to put your patients second. Put your health first in order for you to be able to do your best healing job with them. Then worry about them. Now I know it sounds selfish, but it's not. It's an absolute necessity. That's number one. Number two is there are uh, organizations, healthcare organizations, that put profit before people.
1: Yes.
0: Both their patients and their staff. And the truth is, they're killing both because the burnout rate ultimately leads to people leaving the profession just like Sam did. And that is something we can't afford in this country or any other. So we've got to speak up as patients and say, we demand competency and compassion from our providers, organizations, and people in it. And if you don't give both to us, competency and compassion, we're leaving. We're going somewhere else. So we need to speak up about the need for more compassion for providers On the front lines and patients and those organizations that aren't providing it to either. Should be run out of business.
1: What you say really rings true for me because you're right, there was no compassion for him. And I have to say that in a 25 year career, he never made a mistake. I Wow. We we lived with fear that he always would because it was such a hard thing. And he said he showed me, you know, this is this is a cancerous breast. This is one without cancer. You couldn't tell the difference. There was no (laughs) difference. I I mean, no wonder he was a horrible, but thanks God he could. He could, but there was no difference. I swear to you, there was no difference. And, and so I, I was sure any day he was, he was going to learn that he had made a mistake. And I knew that that day would be his last day in medicine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But,
1: but it was hellish because nobody respected the line he had to walk. And, um, in the end, how, why did he get out of medicine? Because his mother lived with us, and his mother was having such a hard time with her health. Oh, dear. They were they, The doctors were not respecting her. Here's this old lady, an old lady sitting in a chair in front of a doctor. Well, she's going to die any minute anyway. Huh. And so one day I said to him, you know, I bet they would take better care of her if you were sitting next to her. Why don't you quit? And he he said to me, and I I remember this to this day. Can we afford it? I said I think so. Now I knew we couldn't afford it, but oh, cool. I was working too. Yep. And I said, you know what? I love her, and I love him, and I I'm going to try. That's well, that's what why he retired at the age of fifty five, and I did it. But I did it for them because I couldn't stand any more seeing him live like that, and yep. I I loved her enough, and she lived for ten more years. Oh wow, wow! And you and know, I've it's never told that story before. But that's, you know, I have to tell you that's why your book and your story resonated with me because boy, they both deserved a better life than they they were having.
0: Yes, yes. And you know, it's interesting. People say to me, "Well, how do I? How do I? It's, it's so simple. How do I get my?" Doctor, nurse, um, receptionist, whatever. How do I get them to be more kind to me, to be more caring? And the answer is, and this is scientifically proven, and this is so simple recognize their pain as a patient. Those people, it doesn't excuse bad behavior, but I'm saying if you want to have a closer, more intimate, more caring relationship, be compassionate to them. Be kind to them. Know that those doctors and nurses are in great pain every minute they're treating it. They may not have the top of mind, but I promise you deep down it is or they wouldn't be burned out at those rates. So if you're kind to them, the simple nature of compassion is you get what you give. So if you want to have competent and compassionate uh, medical care, you need to be compassionate to those people in pain. And all of a sudden, they will be transformed. And if they don't find another doctor or healthcare system, simple give you get what you give. Compassion is catching. If I give it to you, you're highly higher likely to be kind, caring, and compassionate with me.
1: Yeah, simple Lord. But that's another thing, though, too. They people look doctors are forced to look at the, at the, the old lady sitting in a chair and see an old lady. Well, when, so when, when he was sitting next to them and he's a doctor too, from that day forward, they didn't see an old lady and suddenly she was getting a one plus care. When of he course. was always sitting next to her. Listen. That's wrong too, isn't it?
0: Well, I mean, again, you know, one of the things that we, when I speak to patients, is um, one of the best things you can do for your health is to have somebody help you. Wow, yes. Um, <laughs> while you're seeing a doctor. Yes. Because I don't know about anybody else, but when I'm in pain or discomfort, I don't listen too well and I don't hear too well. So the simple fact of the matter is, is that having a guide or a, a friend, a family member with you yes. to if I hadn't had the gift of my wife, my yes. then wife, um, sitting by my side for every single time I saw my doctor, oncologist, whatever it was, um, I wouldn't know what day it was. Especially once I started yes. getting treatment and I had chemo brain and I, extreme oh brain. yes, it, it was ridiculous. So one of the keys to great care is to be compassionate with your caregivers. Um, and if they're not, find another one. Um, and the and another one is, get help. Don't go alone. Have a second set of ears there to listen, yes. hear what that uh, provider, doctor, nurse, whatever it is, is saying to you, and take notes.
1: That would be even a good profession, you know. Maybe a maybe someone people could just be professional. And Guess
0: supporters. what? There's actually a a profession that is starting. Um, they're called, uh, um, patient guides. Yes. And that, that that is their job. They are literally paid to do exactly that. They're called navigators, guides. And they understand the system. They understand, you know, the questions. They have a medical knowledge and they're there for one reason to listen to take notes, and to help you through the experience. So if anybody's got a serious and doesn't have family members, you know, there are organizations out there that will provide you with a non-clinical navigator.
1: Wow. What you're doing is so important, though. It really is important because this system has been so screwed up and it's money yes. that has screwed it up.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it has. I mean, it has. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that that's true. And, and again, let's be clear. What we don't want to say is all of medicine is that way. And that's just not the case. There are healthcare organizations and large ones that put, um, the care of patients versus the treatment of patients, but hold them both at the same level. So really? let's be clear. There are plenty of doctors and nurses Um, and healthcare systems that put the dignity of their patients at the top of the list of importance. So it's not everybody. I don't want to condemn everybody. Um, But then there are those that all they care about is the bottom line and providers and patients suffer. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the definition of malpractice.
1: Oh, yes. Yes. I'm sure it's changed too because he he retired. Oh wow, 25 years ago, so it's been a while. But um...
0: well, it's um again, it's you know more people are you know we've got an aging population, so I mean yes. the healthcare system is overloaded um, because of the difficulty of the job. You know, people are doctors and nurses and others uh, um, are quitting in vast numbers there's a shortage of healthcare professionals in almost every healthcare organization in America today so we've got to find a way to sustain those organizations and have them be profitable not at the cost of patients and providers and that's the trick and if we as patients cuz 99% of us will need a uh, will will have a medical intervention in the next 12 months. Really? <laughs> wow. That's quite a statistic you have there. Well, think about it. I mean, who do you know that hasn't seen a doctor at least once in the past year? N- not oh, many that's people. True.
1: That's true.
0: Um, particularly in the last two years um, with COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, which is probably, wait, but that's not it. So it's a it's a situation that's getting worse. And we need to find a way to maintain the quality of Uh, care and compassion in the system, or it'll kill everybody. And that is a compassionate crisis that we're in. That's true. Everybody will suffer if we don't solve it sooner than later.
1: Well, right. So we we sort of landed in this uh, with a splash because I told my story. So uh, let me just uh, read a quick little paragraph from your, from your book um oh. so people know who you are thank you okay so you you were you had like the life of all lives from the yep. outside and then not too long ago uh you landed in the worst possible life not too long ago i was badly stage three plus throat cancer i'd lost my businesses you actually were were, were a hollywood success story big time my goodness <clears throat> <laughs> and then you lost your business to two t- criminal partners, losing my marriage, sold our beautiful home, fancy cars, and in an effort to combat the soaring debt, you were rapidly d- drowning in debt. You had received indescribably cruel and in- dehumanizing medical treatment. That was horrible to read about, Lo- leaving me feeling worthless, <laughs> and then more relevantly hopeless, you'd moved past con- uh, contemplation and formed a plan as to how you were going to end your life. Yep. And then you thought that that would not only end your suffering, um, they, but you would end the suffering of those around you. And reading about how you went from the top of the top to the bottom, and everything was—you we, 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 were just literally—that I, I, was just a horrible decline in your in your fortunes in everything. And then one person turned your life around literally made you believe that life was possible again. That was beautiful too. That's, and then suddenly you were, you weren't okay, but you were, you began to see that life was possible again. That was beautiful to read about actually. Don't you love short books? Everybody books have to be short. Now. I, I didn't know this when I wrote my first book five years ago, but my my guide did and it's very short. People, people who are thinking about writing a book, a hundred pages is a good book. That's that's to go much beyond that is not a good plan, but this is a short book. It's a powerful book and it it really, you can read it in one setting and it's beautiful to read because it takes this man from the top to the bottom to empowerment and, and, yeah. and how you can be empowered. It's quite beautiful to read. But um, but you now now talk about how you learned how to help other people, which to me is really what the book is about.
0: Well, it, you know, it's really a fairly simple story. I was raised. I mean, listen, you know, the book is called Compassion Heals, from self care to health care, and didn't and I make the point that you know? I, I never used, the honestly, I don't think I ever said the word compassion until that day when I was contemplating my own death and trying to figure out how to put on enough fentanyl patches at the very end of my treatment when I was hospitalized. I experienced in that hospital the most mean, insensitive, unkind, uncaring, totally lacking in compassionate care. My treatment, I suspect, was fine. I mean, I am still alive. What? But there's some evidence isn't it that it worked. Well, oh my but with but but the lack of compassion and kindness and simple human kindness in that hospital, at my lowest point, I thought, you know, if these people in whose hands I put my life, don't care enough about me to even be courteous, little yeah. kind, uh. they must think that I'm worthless, and you know, these are smart people they're probably right. And I began to think about it. And I realized all the trouble I was causing my family, the debt we were going into. uh, I'm a jerk when I'm sick. I can't speak for anybody else. I was a misery to my wife. Shame on me. Um, But I thought, you know, I have a huge what's called key man life insurance policy at the studio, uh, movie studio that we had bought and redeveloped. Um, And if I was to die, they would receive a zillion dollars and live like kings and queens. And that's what I decided to do. So I um, wanted to find out how many patches to put on, because if you put on too many, they call it suicide, and then you can't collect anything. So I didn't want to do that. Anyway, so the day after I got out of that hospital from hell, um, uh, a very famous, um, actually, radio personality and and doctor named Dr. Dean Adele came to visit. was my uh, wife's brother. And I managed to, it was excruciating with throat cancer, to croak out. Speaking was very hard for me uh, at the end. Um, That all the misery I had experienced. And as I stopped to take a breath, he put his hand on my arm and said, Lee, I am so, so, so sorry for the compassion you didn't get in this hospital. And that word sort of didn't register. And he said, and here's the thing, it is absolutely unforgivable. So please, please, on behalf of all of those horrible people, accept my apology for that. He said, but may I make a suggestion? Sure, Dean, whatever. He said, you know, rather than giving up and giving in, how about this? He said, compassion is rapidly disappearing in modern healthcare. And that is a tragedy. He said, rather than giving up and giving in, how about you fight like crazy? And if you're lucky enough to survive, why don't you become part of the solution and share your story about how a lack of compassion caused you to nearly take your life and see if you can't inspire people to take better care of their patients and themselves so they're able to. And in that moment, that little short five or 10-minute conversation, his kindness, his caring, his compassion for my pain is what gave me the will to live. The thought that this man, this immense doctor, thought I could make a difference for patients and healthcare professionals
1: gave me a dream.
0: And that dream yeah. is what I've been following, and he couldn't have been more right. Again, um, no. I've done what, 200 keynotes, wrote the book. We're working on a, a feature length documentary. I mean, it's all about inspiring healthcare professionals to take better care of themselves so they can take better care of us. So that's what I'm working on is try and lower that burnout rate, trying to make uh, medicine what it used to be, which is healing for both provider and patient.
1: Wow. That's really, really beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. It's been,
0: um, I have to say, uh, of all the things I've done in my life, and you're right, you know, I did lead a very charmed life. I've had more adventures than uh, any 12 people you know, Um, (laughs) some of which ended me in the hospital because (laughs) they're (laughs) adrenaline-driven, but that said, what
1: was this when you were five years old? You thought you could fly? I thought that's, yeah. that
0: was a little extreme. Well, but, you know, that was me. It's like, you know, my sister dared me. You know, it's like, you say you're Superman's son. Okay. We're standing at the top of our staircase, right? The second story house, two story house. She points out and mm-hmm. goes, all right, prove it. Either fly to the bottom or quit talking and telling us you're Superman's son. We're <laughs> it. Well, okay. <laughs> and I, I didn't jump. I dove head first. Landed on my oh, head first head. is better, even right? Yeah, and woke up the next day um, in the hospital, uh, encased in a a white uh, body cast because I had broken my clavicle in three places, serious concussion, and broken fingers. Oh. And that was the start of well over a hundred uh, hospitalizations in six different countries. I mean. I've been in the health. I've had my thumb pulled off. I've had skin grafts, bone grafts, uh, toes amputated, um, more infectious diseases than you can remotely imagine. Um, I was rescued from uh, drowning. I was dared to do a um, a one and a half flip off the side of a boat that uh, we had, and it doesn't matter where, but uh, it doesn't even matter
1: where anymore. I hit my head,
0: and I'm I'm laying there. I'm unconscious in the water. And everybody thought I was kidding, and then they realized he's oh, not moving. Maybe rescue him. Probably so not at this point. Well, I, 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 you know, it's been a very adventuresome life, and if I learn anything, it is the power of con- of the healing power of kindness and compassion is extraordinary, and it's now scientifically proven, proven to not just be a nice thing to do but literally life-giving and life-saving. And it can be as little as a smile. You don't have to, you know, buy somebody a new house or pay for their kids' education. No. There's a story um, that I read about a gentleman who was in San Francisco, wrote a suicide note. And in it, he said, you know, I'm going to go to the bridge I'm going to jump unless one person smiles at me As I'm walking to the bridge. They found his body the next day. Now, imagine, if you will, you happen to have walked by that guy, and for whatever reason you remembered him and you heard that had a smile, he would how would you feel? That's the power, that's the power of compassion. That simple. I care enough about you to recognize, to see you, and to give you a smile connects us. We've missed that during COVID. We are desperate for human connection. It is in our genes. We don't imagine it. We have to connect or literally, it makes us crazy.
1: And That's, what's this about covering our mouths so nobody can see us smiling? What's I mean, what's the point of that? Well,
0: obviously, covering your mouth is, you know, you you got to listen to the healthcare system that says that was necessary, but whether it was, I don't know
1: lot. that it was because it turns out that the germs go right through it. Well, it was all theater. It turns out in the end, it really was just all theater.
0: Well, I, I, I don't know that I agree with that. However, well, regardless, regardless. regardless I was
1: true, wearing a cloth mask all that time. Now they told me I was just, I, was, I'm, I feel disillusioned, frankly, but that's a conversation for another day.
0: Well, you can discuss that with scientists. Uh, I'm not a scientist. <laughs> what, I, what I do know, mask or no mask, simple human kindness is scientifically proven to have vast healing powers. And literally, if a simple, something as little as a smile can save someone's life, Imagine if you opened the door for them or carried a bag for them or um, recognized their challenges and didn't judge, them. whatever it is, it is absolutely proven that the healing qualities of simple kind acts is immense. And yeah. it is in healthcare, when you have a uh, healthcare professional who genuinely Demonstrates their care for you, not the treatment, how they poke you and jab you and all that, but they care about you as a person. Listen to this: you will have a better outcome. You will have a. Oh, I quicker, believe that. Totally. Yeah. A quicker, yeah. quicker outcome, and you'll have better long-term health. That is simply as a result of being with a healthcare professional who expresses their genuine care for you and competently treats you and it's disappearing. Do You know 50% of the people in America today say they get zero compassion from their healthcare providers really? and the health-
1: 50% zero zero 50% I think that's yeah. terrible. I'm so sad. What yep. the doctor that they, they yep. do they don't understand how important it is. Oh, how sad yeah. for them.
0: Yes. Yes. And, and, and yes, that's true. And there is no doubt about it. There's a book out that I highly recommend. It's not a short one. It's written by two, uh, very famed, uh, scientists, uh, MDs, emergency room, blah, 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 blah. It's called Compassionomics. Oh, really? Compassionomics. Wow. It, um, It's a summary of thousands of studies about compassion to determine whether or not it has significant, measurable healing capabilities. And these two famous doctors went into that study to figure out whether it does or doesn't, thinking it did not. Yeah, it was nice if you had time, but it really wasn't clinically of any value. Two and a half years later, after studying thousands of studies, they determined that compassion is absolutely necessary for the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time. No question, scientifically proven. The fact that 50% of patients today are not getting any means they're being deprived of an element relative to their health that is absolutely essential for them to recover their health, and they're not getting it. Now, if I had a pill that I could give you,
1: yeah, wow,
0: that <laughs> amount of benefit, and I decided, you know what? I had a bad night last night. Uh, oh, I'm,
1: yeah.
0: I'm not going to give you the pill. I'm feeling sorry. For, I'm not going to give you the pill. I'm oh. in a bad mood. You'd be sued for malpractice. Yeah, so that's the power of compassion. And um, you know, if you want proof of it, just read that book, Compassionomics.
1: But but you also said that, it, that in your book that it, it was important for, for the for the, um, the the healthcare provider to be to be um, the the the, the compa- for, for him to be feeling compassionate was better for him, for him as well. Yeah. See again, the
0: science proves. And this is, this is such magical stuff. Yeah. But it's scientifically proven is that, remember that benefit of your health will improve, um, you'll be happier, you'll have less burnout. You'll, yeah. Uh, all that stuff that happens for patients when they're treated by a, a compassionate um, healthcare professional, the giver of it gets exactly the same benefits. Yeah. The, Happiest healthcare professionals are the most compassionate. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: Yeah, I yeah I, I I can I believe it, but yeah. it also though it was too overwhelming for my husband because I think he felt for every one of those people that he was diagnosing, and and wow. you know but he and he never saw them. That was part of the thing. I I I don't know. I just think he's too squishy inside anyway. He's well, always been that way. But here's the thing
0: is, I would say that um, probably, again, I can't speak for him, but my guess is there were a lot of other things other than his deep caring for his patients that caused him to leave health care. And it's those pressures. You've got to do more. You've got to do it in less time. You know, you're you're
1: around people. Yes, right. He he was keen to them. He really was. Yeah. He he had to do more and more and more, and he had to do it faster and faster and faster. And he couldn't yep. spend enough time deliberating. Yep, yep absolutely. Yep. Right. And, that's, and you're right. That's different than
0: right. being compassionate to your colleagues and your patients. Yep. that's so. Right. You know, it's not hard work. Hard work. It, you know. Doesn't kill compassion, just makes you tired. But you get burned out. Yeah, when you don't give Ultimately, your compassion, or and or get it from your colleagues, boss, organization, etc. If you want a successful business, that's the other thing. Call compassion for your patients, kindness, whatever. It's customer service. Patients are. Customers, yeah. And the simple, gra- single greatest determinant of profitability in any business is how you treat your customers. So if you treat them kindly, with compassion, consideration, uh, honor, dignity, <laughs> you're going to make more money than you know what to do with as an organization. It is the yeah. single most determinant of profitability. In business today is how you treat your customers.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: It's a competitive advantage. If I say, here are two hospital groups, this one, and there's a there's a score that the government puts out to rate how they care for their patients. It's called an HCAP score. If they're in the 44th percentile towards the bottom, and the other one is in the 99th percentile at the top, uh Who would you go to? Well, I'm going to go to the one at 99. Why not? I mean, if they're equally good, I don't know if they're good medically, but I assume they are. They're, you know, they're they're in business. But if I know one is compassionate and the other isn't, that's where I'm going. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's um it's an extraordinary. It, It helps heal patients. It helps heal and keep healthy. Healthcare professionals, and it helps the bottom line of the organization in which their lives interact. <clears> that's some um, pretty powerful stuff. No matter how you look
1: at it. Wow. So, so tell me how you spread the word now. What is it you do? Well, I mean, what I've been
0: doing, um, at least until COVID uh, um, hit is I travel the world uh, delivering keynote addresses to healthcare professionals uh, of every imaginable type at hospitals, uh, conferences, medical schools, nursing schools, dental schools, um, you name it. I've um, had the pleasure and honor of addressing several hundred audiences over the past six or seven years since I got my voice back. Uh, and and recovered um and there's that i also wrote uh, compassion heals from self care to healthcare which is you know aimed at healthcare but the truth of the matter is it's for all of us self care is critical to our happiness um yeah. and success for that matter um but somebody made the point i've always said my goal is to reach those 20 million healthcare professionals with my message to try to inspire them to take better compassionate care of themselves so they can do it for us. And somebody said, Lee, you're an idiot. What? you're not gonna reach 20 million people on stage. I don't care if every one of them is 5,000. You're not gonna do it. At, do the numbers like, oh yeah. So I wrote the book, got that done. And then it's like, I'm not gonna get this book out to 22 million, there's no way. So somebody said, why don't you go back to your Hollywood background, producer background? Why don't you make a movie on the heart, science, and business of compassion and reveal the crisis of compassion in healthcare? It's rapidly disappearing presence of its healing power. Why that is what we can do to change it and wake People up to the absolute necessity of demanding it and getting it from their healthcare providers and supporting those suffering healthcare providers with their own compassion in order to get more for themselves. So that's really what I'm doing. I'm working on that documentary, uh, working on another book, uh, going to be doing a podcast soon. Um, and hopefully. Um, I've got some live speak, not virtual, but live speaking uh, gigs scheduled for the next uh, six to ten months. So life is good.
1: And you did a TEDx too.
0: Uh, oh, and I did a TED talk uh, very early on, which sort of launched me. It was a dream. I'd been following TED for since it began, and all of a sudden I get a call from Eli Lilly, that was putting on a local. that was I thought it was
1: fun.
0: Yeah, you did yeah, a yeah, good- and I and they say hey. We'd like you to open our event uh, with your uh, keynote. What? I mean, that was a dream. I don't even have to. You asking me? it was was good. I I was the first one at a day-long event. And, um, you know, being able to say, oh, by the way, you know, get a (laughs) Uh, two talk. Very good.
1: People wanting to reach you, how would they reach you?
0: Very simple. Um, My uh, email is... My personal email is Lee, L E E, at Lee, L E E, Tomlinson, T O M L I N S O N dot com. That's Lee at Lee Tomlinson, T O M L I N S O N dot com.
1: Uh-huh. Um,
0: just reach out to me and say hello and you know, go check out my website, see what I do. Um, it's uh, again very complicated. It's www.leetomlinson.com.
1: Don't you love it when you can get your own name? Yeah, right.
0: that's great. Yeah, make it simple. Um, yeah, and I'm, listen, my life is about uh, inspiring healthcare professionals and others to be more of their natural, genetically bred, compassionate selves. To benefit themselves, their friends, their families, their colleagues, and the world. So, any opportunity to share that message, any way imaginable. Amen. I'm
1: well, that's a beautiful way to end our little time together. Thank you so much, Lee. This has been wonderful. I so appreciate it.
0: Well, I am I am tremendously grateful. I can't believe the time. I hope. The listeners it thought by, it raced by for me. So thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: Thank you, my dear.
0: We'll do this again. I look forward to it. Be well. <laughs> stay safe. Stay compassionate. The world needs you.
1: <laughs> Everyone, this has been Secret Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm so happy you've been with us today. Please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began and you never will end. And when you really get that, it changes everything in your life for the better. Our guest for next week has actually not yet confirmed. So I can't tell you who it will be. And you never know it, we may plumb new territory this time. And actually, doesn't that kind of feel exciting when you think about it? Meanwhile, this week we've been speaking with Lee Tomlinson, who's known as patient Lee, his personal mission and could there, there couldn't ever be a better one than this is to inspire healthcare professionals to return compassionate care to its rightful place at the forefront of modern healthcare in order to benefit the patients, their families, the bottom line, and also those healthcare professionals themselves. He says that finding his mission wasn't even easy, but he's found it now. He's an award-winning television producer, a movie studio executive, a former professional athlete, a public speaker, a TED Talk presenter, and he's alive today due to the combination of a lifetime of extraordinarily effective medical treatment and also deeply kind and compassionate care to himself. With his renewed zeal for life, his his newfound purpose, he's created the compassion, K, he, compassion heals movement. And this movement is designed to reconnect America's 20 million healthcare professionals with the compassion that got them into healthcare in the first place. And I watched that compassion kill my husband's love for healthcare, for giving healthcare. And I, so I have to tell you, I think this is a wonderful thing that Lee is doing. My own husband, actually, as I said, was one of those physicians who retired early. And I I wish someone like Lee had been there to help him rediscover the joy that got him into health care in the first place. As you know, my own nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and soon The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus taught, for young children, there's the fun of meeting Jesus and you can order all these books through bookstores or on Amazon. The adult books are also available as audiobooks. If you want to talk about anything at all or just, you know, shoot the breeze kind of through emails, just go and contact me through the green contact block on Roberta dot com. I do answer emails, but I have to tell you sometimes seven to ten days at this point because I get so many of them. Many people just Listen to Seek Reality each week through webtalkradio.net or all the other places it can be found or through the Seek Reality app that you can get for free on the iTunes app store. Meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy, please make the most of this coming week in our one great reality, knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being. And you, most of all, in this great eternal universe, you are infinitely loved. You've
0: been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.